Hi, this is Laura Whitmore with the She Rocks podcast, and I'm here with Nikki Yunovsky. Hey, Nikki. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, I was listening to your new album, Nikki by Starlight, one more time because it does like relieve the stress of the day, I must say. Oh, thank you. That was what I wanted. I wanted to help people unwind, you know, pour a glass of wine and just relax and listen. Yes, it works. You succeeded. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, truly, it's, yeah, I, I, I was able to listen to it a couple of times and I just put a big smile on my face. I, I am a big fan of the, you oh, know, sort of you. standards. So tell me about, you know, how this album came to be and what was your vision for this project? So I grew up uh, singing jazz. That's sort of how I got introduced to music. Like when I was 12 years old, I discovered jazz by typing in jazz on iTunes and Ella Fitzgerald's name came up and I heard her. No. I swear it was that, that's what happened. <laughs> And I completely fell in love. It stopped me in my tracks. And nothing has made me feel the way that her voice did uh, that day since. Like, it was just, it really did, like, give me this real purpose. And it felt like, okay, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. Um, and then somewhere uh, down that road, I started to want to explore different genres and, and different, you know, styles and discover my own voice and write my own music and I started to do a lot of original songs and within that of course the the, um, the roots of, of my jazz past were present in everything that I've ever worked on but I sort of went away from the straight up jazz standards genre and, and did my own thing and then actually during the pandemic when the world was shut down and I couldn't perform and I couldn't you know I couldn't tour I couldn't do much um, I just, I was forced to sort of look inward and ask myself really, what do I want out of this career? What do I want out of my life? And what is my next step with, within that, you know, because I'd released an album the year before and it wasn't jazz. It was more of like an R&B thing. And although I'm so proud of that record, I just like didn't know if that's what I wanted out of my career for the rest of my life going forward. Um, so I, I felt like I had the answer, but I was sort of scared to say it out loud. And I said, okay, I'm going to go for a walk, which is what I always do to clear my head. And on that walk, I, I just said to myself, why am I fighting this? I want to do jazz again. I want to go back into it. You know, I want to dive in um, and just really indulge every, everything that I wanted to do my whole career, like the songs that I couldn't sing because of the subject matter was too mature for me because I was a kid or, you know, just songs that I've always, always have always spoken to me. I want to do them now on my own terms. Um, as an adult, instead of just like this party trick as a kid singing jazz. So that's what I did. And, and as soon as I got home from that walk, I called up my friend and collaborator, his name is Paul Schroffel, and we decided, okay, let's do this record. And I co-produced it with him, chose all the songs. We worked on the arrangements together. And uh, in two months, Nikki by Starlight was born. Wow. And this is just such a passion project for me, and I couldn't be more proud. It feels like I tapped into the purest part of myself again. So been great wait i have like a million questions basically. okay <laughs> <laughs> so a like what made you type jazz into the search to begin with okay so i was singing at the time a lot of motown a lot of soul a ton of aretha franklin like a stevie wonder that was my bread and butter like that's what i thrived on and that was because i grew up with that like my parents loved that music yeah. and that's really what i was into um and so i started singing 
before I got into jazz. I was always singing. I just started out singing mostly like Aretha. And um, I was doing a local charity show, actually, in my hometown of Montreal. And in the audience was the founder of the Montreal Jazz Festival. And he asked uh-huh. if I would open up the whole festival. And, of course, I said yes. I was 11 years old. And by the time the summer came around, I turned 12. Um, but he asked if I would do it. And I, sa- I remember saying to my mom the next day, well, if I'm going to be at a jazz festival, I should probably learn some jazz. And she said, I mean, that's a good idea, but it isn't really like Montreal Jazz Festival brings yeah. in all types of music, you know. I said, okay, but I still think I want to learn some jazz. And that's why I went to the computer and I typed jazz. Right. And, then, and then Ella's name came and up. And came out with the best it's... singer from the <laughs> yeah, get-go. <laughs> the most moving, right? Yes, absolutely. I think also because, I, I don't know if you find this, but I do when I listen to her. She has a childlike quality to her voice because mm-hmm. it's so pure. Like she has such a, a pure love. I think that's why it spoke to me so much even as a kid. I resonated with it even though I was so young. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's so interesting. Like, do you find, you know, singing those standards, like, you know, I got into those because of my parents, too, and I'm probably like, you know, 30 years older than you. <laughs> um, but are you introducing it to new audiences now by bringing this music like into your world? I think to some degree, yeah. I mean, those are always my favorite messages to read. You know, of course, I appreciate any support, but it's so nice to get messages from younger people, you know, saying that they've, they didn't know about jazz before me. I introduced them to this genre because it's just the greatest gift, at least for, at least it was for me, was discovering this amazing world that's just so free and all about, you know, expression and, and finding your own voice. And I think the thing that I love most about jazz is that freedom because it, a lot of people don't necessarily know this, but you know, like the great American songbook, for example, it's like at the time that jazz was popular, um, like when it was like the pop music, right? Like in the forties and the fifties, everybody was pulling from the same songbook. So like when you hear a song by Frank Sinatra, it was made popular by Frank, but he didn't write it. It was, everybody had their own version of like, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, like fly me to the moon. A couple of people did that song. He was the one that made it big. But that's what I love so much about jazz is like you can make it your own. You can take a song that's been done a million times and you can do it a million one and just figure out what you want to say with it and how you would want to interpret it. And there's no wrong answer. So right. that's what I with this album. Yeah. And it was sort of expected too. Like you knew a lot of people were going to do that song sure. and it was okay for you yeah. to do your own, get your own Absolutely. way. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I remember like, wait, this is a long time ago, but Carly Simon did a, yeah. a, an album of standards just because she loved them so much too and it, it's it's so nice it's so and nice I, it's such nice music it really <laughs> is and you know there, it's it's stood the test of time I mean yeah. like these songs are, are so much older than I am and I still resonate with them so much yeah. you know it's as if like I I feel I I find I assign my own meaning to each song you right. know and and you know yeah I think that's what's so great it's like that's why everybody's entitled to do their own version because there's ways of connecting with right. it on your own way. And the writing, I mean, it, the 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 musical piece of it is beautiful, but the lyrics, some of them are so clever too. Absolutely. You're just like, There's oh. a romance. There's a, sometimes the cleverness, the slyness. There's a cheekiness. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I tend to gravitate towards more those ty- that types of writing. Like I'm a huge fan of Blossom Deary for that reason. She always picked like really fun, right. cute songs to do. But then there's a, a real depth and, and, you know, 
philosophical aspect of it too sometimes with these lyrics like they're just so poetic and I, mm-hmm. I feel that not that I don't want to say it's a lost art form because I do think there's so much great music that's being written today but it certainly was more you know just the norm back in the day the, the bar was very high <laughs> yes true 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 and you couldn't yeah. hide behind production back then. You actually had to be able yeah. to really get that. It had to hold on its own. <laughs> That's right. It had to hold on its own. So um, let's back up. So you started really young. Was it just like in your blood to, to be a musician? How, yes. you know, did you ever imagine yourself going in any other path? No, I don't. I don't recall ever having answered the, the question, what do you want to be when you grow up with something other than a singer? Like that was always my yeah. go-to. It's always been, there was, ever, there was never a plan B. There was never a backup. There was, it really felt like, I feel very blessed to have discovered what I feel my purpose is here mm-hmm. at such a young age and had never questioned it. I really do think that's what I meant to be doing here with my time, you know? So it's to connect with people and to, um, and through my music and, and to, you know, give people that experience of, like you said, listening, unwinding, relaxing. Yeah. I, I love being part of people's days, even if it's indirectly, just, you know, helping them through something or helping them discover a new genre or something that they connect to. I, I think it's such a beautiful thing. Well, I have to say your voice on this album this is what I say. It's like butter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's just like... You know when to pull back. You know when to push harder. It's it's Thank really you so lovely. Much. Yeah, that, that's. I have a big smile on my face. So <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it. I'm so happy that you that you've uh, like said that. Just yeah. like up on that at all because it's very deliberate. I, I mean, I don't think about it too hard when I'm in the booth. Of course, you know, right. you just feel it. But um, yeah, the way that I the way that I approach my vocals, like I try, I try to pay attention to what I'm singing. Um, as much as how I'm singing it, you know, because I think sometimes the lyrics can really help guide that to like what words to pull back on, what words to really give more meaning. You can, your inflections help you uh, interpret, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Did you have a hard time picking out the songs? Did you have like, which of these 800 songs? Oh my God. Yeah. It was really (laughs) tough. I made a playlist originally. It was like, you Ah. know, I had to really scale it back. My goal was Okay, if I can't get to all these, you know, fifty songs on this one album, I can make yeah, more. Yeah, you know? there's That's more. The yeah, but I really wanted to pick songs that, um, you know, my whole career since I've since I've kind of gone away from my roots of straight up jazz, I've always had people asking, "When are you going to do a jazz album? When are you going to go back to it? When are you going to go back to it?" And I just thought, you know, I really want to give the people what they want. You know, like I'm gonna. You're like, gonna here it is, people. Do- yeah, so my song selection plate was a big, that was a big part of it, you know, that thought yeah. process of just like, okay, what are songs that are well known enough without being cheesy? Like I yeah. wanted to choose songs that people would know, but wouldn't be like kind of overdone. So right. that was that's what I did. And I also wanted to pick songs that could um, lend themselves well to different feels, different tempos, and different uh, iterations of a band, you know, so there's some big right, band right. stuff. Some stuff with strings, some more pared down stuff. There's some just trio. There's kind of a little something for everyone. And a couple of different languages in there, too. Yeah. Just for <laughs> yeah. fun. <laughs> just for fun, just for kicks. I have some yeah. French and some Italian. I've never yeah. spoken a word of Italian in my oh, life. Oh, you did a good know. job. I was like, is that Italian? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. Well, I mean, speaking of your band, so uh, like I've known Greg Fillinganes for forever and I've worked with Nathan East and Arturo Sandoval and like all those guys are so wonderful. Like how did you get connected to them? That's an amazing group of musicians. Absolutely. Well, I'm so thrilled that they wanted to be part of this project. Um, They've always been very supportive of me throughout my career. So Greg and I met actually when I was I think 16, I was 16 years old. Um, I was performing at the North Sea Jazz Festival. No, at the, yeah, the North Sea Jazz Festival in Rotterdam. And um, Quincy Jones, who I had met a few years before, was also there. And we reconnected there, just parzard like that. And he said, what are you doing this Friday? And I said, actually, that's the one day on my whole tour that I don't have a, a show. And he said, okay, great. You're going to come to the Montreux Jazz Festival and be part of the show. So I went and I was in a lineup with like, you know, Herbie Hancock and wow. like just kind of thrown into the deep end there. Um, and Greg was on that gig. So that was the first time that Greg and I had met and we played uh, Airmail Special and Lullaby of Birdland together. And I just love him so much. And yeah. right away we connected. He's been such an amazing uh, supporter and friend really in my career, uh, always got my back and we've always kept in touch and even his wife she's one of my good friends and we he's just they're good people you know and he's he's just such an immense talent so um I asked him I always wanted to do something I I've performed with him many times but I've never recorded something with him and I always said one day Greg I'm going to record something with you it's like my dream and this finally felt like the right project for it so I called him and asked him I said I have two songs that I think would be really good for you which one do you want um, and he heard both arrangements, which was West Coast Blues and Crazy He Calls Me. And he said, well, how about both? And yeah, I said, there oh, you go. I said, oh, my gosh, thank <laughs> you. I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know it was an option, you know. So, um, yeah, it was just a thrill to have him. He he really brought those songs to life. I mean, he is just incredible. There's a reason why he is who he is, He's you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and with Nathan, Similarly, I played with him a few times live, uh, once actually with Stevie Wonder, once with Herbie Hancock, and then, uh, but again, never on recording, except for his project, which was uh, done a few years earlier. Um, he asked if I would be on one of his CDs, oh, nice. and I, and so yeah. I wanted to do the same. I said, okay, now my turn. <laughs> right. Why not? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? And then Arturo, I met him one time in passing, actually, in uh, Korea. We had a show at the Jazz Festival there. And we were hanging out like backstage. He was such a nice guy. And so I just, I didn't know if he would say yes or not, but I just thought he would sound so pretty on right. his that day. And so I asked him on Instagram and he said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. I mean, I yeah. think that's really awesome that people are open to just jumping in. I mean, all those guys love music and jazz too. So totally. brought, yeah. the, brought them the right project. <laughs> I'm really glad it worked out and that they, you know, that I could now say I'm part of their discography is like really cool for me. Like it's just yes, a really great absolutely. Thing to <laughs> They're just the best. Yeah. That's cool. So you produced or co-produced this yep. also. Tell, tell me about that. How was that experience? Have you produced before? No, this was the first Ooh. time. So, um, you know, it's funny, like I, I've been fortunate enough to work with amazing producers and I get, I've learned as much as I, 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 I ask so many questions when I'm in the studio and I just try and learn as much as I possibly can because I always thought that this is something I could do one day. And it just, I think because this project became 
so personal for me. I mean, every project that you do is, right? Whether it's like you're writing something, whatever, you're putting yourself out there in an art form. It is very personal. But this felt specifically personal to me just because it felt like I was returning to the most vulnerable, the most authentic part of myself. So I felt that I was the best person for the job in order to like bring that to light. And um, so it, it worked out with my, my friend Paul. Um, he, he and I ended up doing it together. At first, I, you know, I brought him on as, as I said, okay, you will, you're going to do all the arrangements. And we pick the songs kind of together. We, you know, and then I, I would say, okay, how about we do this in this type of feel? And then it just became so collaborative that it didn't feel right to put a label on anything, really. You know, like he did most of the arrangements, I did most of the producing, but it really felt like a co-arranging and production situation because we were like so, just so hand in hand throughout everything. He was, he really like reads my mind, that guy. He is amazing. So yeah, this was like the first time I did it. Um, But it felt like very, I always produce my own vocals. So that wasn't like such a stretch, but getting performances out of different band mem- band members and you know like directing their performances and giving them like cues and things to think about I just sort of approached it the same way I did myself with my vocals so it's kind of like a natural progression yeah that's cool it is great having somebody to work with creatively that you just get each other right and you can oh, bounce yeah. ideas off so important other. and it's great too he's he's known me since he played my very first show at that jazz fest uh-huh. so he's known me since I'm probably 11 years old oh my he gosh really knows- he knows me to my core, that guy. So we That's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, well, I, I think he, I think he did a great job. Good job with your producing. Thank you. Yeah, we. Mm. I'm really proud of it, honestly. And the whole the whole goal was to create a truly vintage jazz experience, like to recreate that magic that sometimes gets a little bit schmaltzy or lost right. in some modern. There's amazing modern jazz. It's a too, fine line. <laughs> It is a very fine line, and I and I wanted to walk it and tread that line very carefully, to create something that felt like it was true to the era, but still, you know, um, true to me. So I I thought, well, if I were around when these songs were being written, how would I have done them? You know, you think of like "Find Me to the Moon," but you think you think of Frank Sinatra, but you can also listen to Julie London's version. I'm like, okay, well, if I were on, how would I have done that? And it's not on my right, album, but right. just an example of like how I was approaching it. And um, yeah, so that was the idea. We recorded everything on vintage mics, but it was also a really funny modern experience because we recorded it in the midst of the pandemic when we couldn't be in the same room as each other. So this this whole record was kind of done piecemeal in a way, and then it all came together. So it was really fun to hear these tracks come to life slowly. Um, and I'm looking forward to more projects in the future where we can actually be in the same room like it was done back in the yeah, day. Yeah, it's a different vibe doing totally. it on your own, but it, you can't tell. The energy is really good. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's interesting to hear people talk about how they were able to create during the pandemic. And I think a lot of people <laughs> learned some new skills there, especially recording and producing. <laughs> on For their sure. Own. Yeah. It's, it's also really freeing because now before it felt like I had to stay in one place in order to get like work done. And now it really feels like, Oh, I can do this pretty much anywhere. You could do it remotely now. Like it's, everything right. is so, I mean, obviously not recording the recording of the actual instruments and the vocals I went into the studio to do, but in terms of getting the arrangements done and bringing these songs to life slowly, like you could do that anywhere. It's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking about these songs, like, hey, maybe your next step is you write some standardish <laughs> songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I always wish like line. somebody would do that. You know, it's like 
for sure. Write some new classics. No, it's definitely in the cards. I just don't know when because I'm having so much fun tapping into this, you know, songbook that was yeah. sort of some of it was off limits to me that I'm like, okay, I need to get that all out of my system and then I'll start writing. Right, right. <laughs> That's a good idea. Why not? Why not? So um, I got sent a note that said something about how your fear gives you energy to keep creating. And I want to explore that a little bit with you because <laughs> I know that feeling when you're scared and you're like, I'm going to power through this and later I'm going to yes. thank myself. Absolutely. So talk to me about that a little bit. It's exactly that. It's like, you know, I think so, sometimes like anxieties and fears, they creep in. It's just that little doubt, that feeling in your head, you know, of like, I don't know if I can do this or, you know, like that little voice that you that you have to, like you said, just power through to prove to yourself that you can. But sometimes you, you can get out in front of it and kind of know what's going to make you feel that way. Like, for example, if I have a really important show coming up and I don't put in the hours ahead of the show, I'm not doing my warm-ups, my vocal warm-ups every day. I know that I'm going to give myself some like performance anxiety, and I know what to do to prevent that. So I let that fear fuel me to be great and to do something different and to like actually really put in the time, whatever. I mean, that's one example, but you know, whatever it may be, whether it be in the studio, just getting out in front of things, preparing, being as professional as you possibly can be, and letting that fear um, actually work to your advantage instead of letting it rule you. Yeah, that's interesting. I I always look at like fear is like kind of like a muscle, right? It's like yes. how you prepare yourself to get past the fear takes practice. Absolutely. And then it lets it enables you to go to like the next thing that would have terrified you before to the point where you couldn't even think about it, you know? Yeah. So I also think it's important to push yourself to that place because that's where all the best parts of you lie. It's like if you're just too comfortable your stuff is going to be boring, you know, like you have to push yourself. Every every great moment in my career, in my life, whatever it is, I've always had that feeling of just slightly stepping out of my comfort zone, stepping outside the lines a little bit and asking, oh, no, can I handle this? Can I do it? And then you just somehow do. You muster up the energy and the confidence to just get there. And, I mean, I had that feeling when, but back to that show in Montreux with, with Quincy Jones and Herbie Hancock, Quincy just wasn't practiced he just in the middle of the live show asked me to go out on the stage while herbie was performing oh my gosh and I, it was just like sink or swim you know and i just i swam i what, what am i gonna do <laughs> so herbie was started walking towards me while i'm on the stage wanting to trade you you know and i was just i was like oh my god i'm about to trade eights with herbie hancock i'm not gonna be able to do this this is happening <laughs> in will i be able to keep up is this okay what is happening right now and then you just figure it out and you just do it you know and and then you get off there and you grow that's how you grow that's how you be better and it's just it's a very empowering feeling it's a very scary feeling that fear doesn't really go away but you learn to trust yourself and you learn to trust that if somebody like quincy trusts you to be able to be in that situation it's for good reason and you trust the people that you're are, you're surrounding yourself with, you know. So it's also important to put yourself around good people. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like you don't really know what you're capable of until you push yourself. Further. Absolutely. Like there's been many times in my career where you had to take a giant leap of faith, and you kind of like push yourself to live up to the moment. Otherwise, you you'd have no idea you could have done it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I love that story. That's a <laughs> oh, well, like, terrifying. Still one of the scariest moments of my life. It was like, but, did you, you know, enjoy the moment too, though? I did. Because yeah. once you're out there, it's like, what are you going to, you can't resent it while you're in it. You just got to, yeah. 
you have to do your best to be present, you know, once that's happening. It's like, it, otherwise it's going to go horribly wrong. It's like the, mo- the only thing you can control is your attitude while you're in that situation. That's right, yeah. So, you yeah. got to let go and just let yourself do oh, yeah. it. Yeah. It's, if you're in your head too much, that's what kills you. <laughs> For sure. But again, that's also like a muscle, right? It's just practice. And yeah. that's what I mean by like getting out in front of that fear. Like if you put in the time off the stage, off the court, like you're just when you're out there, you're able to close off your mind and just really trust your instincts and trust all the work that you put into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's sad, like there's so many people paralyzed by fear that don't, yeah. you know, don't take that step. I always say, take one step, take one little step. It's okay. Yeah. Like you don't have to completely jump off the cliff the first time, you know? Yeah. Um, day by day, yeah. moment by moment. That's really what it is. And just being present in those moments. Like otherwise it, it could, you know, there was a point in my career where I started to let anxiety rule me and, and my performances started to irk me. I knew that I had something on the books and I would like, as the weeks went on, I was like, oh no, it was getting closer and closer. And I said, but this is my career. This is my life. And if I let this attitude consume me right now, I'm going to be miserable. I got to find joy in this. I got to remember yeah. why I'm doing this. Right. It has to be fun. Otherwise, what is the point, you know? And then you'd be miserable doing it and you'll be miserable not doing it. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to find joy. It's such a privilege to, like I said at, at the beginning of this interview, like to connect. That's what it is. Even on, whether it be on stage, in real life, when you're connecting with an audience, even if it's not perfect, it's okay. You're there to share a moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, it, it's... um. It's always an interesting thing to explore with people because I think I think people assume that, hey, once you've like made it, once you're accomplished, that you don't get scared anymore. And it's kind of the opposite. It's like once you get to a certain yeah. level, like you know that you're always going to be scared of the next step. And but you've learned how to deal with that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. The fear is always there, but it, I think it's important for it to always be there. I mean, the, as long as, like I said, it doesn't consume you and it's really a fear that helps you gain confidence, yeah. you know, that even though you're scared, you, you know that you can do it. You yeah. know that you yeah. have it in you. It's interesting. I went to this workshop one time. I actually, my daughter conducted it, and it was talking about stress and that there's good stress and bad stress. And I think the stress of, like, being afraid as long as you can get through it is, like, the good stress. It's the thing yeah. that leads you to those special moments so you're right you got to harness that stress for good you know yeah it's almost like that feeling of being nervous for something or a show or whatever it is like there's it's the same kind of feeling as excitement and it is a little different because I think like the actual like there's like I don't know different chemical things that are released if it's like a negative feeling versus a positive but it it feels like it's stemming from the same place kind of you know that adrenaline and you can choose to either let that feeling be positive and be like excitement or let it be negative and let that be super nervousness that doesn't, that paralyzes you. And I think it's so important to be excited about the things that you're doing. And, you know, like when you're going into a studio for the first time to record this album that feels like it could really help shape what you want your career to be. It's like a very nerve wracking feeling, yeah. but, then you, <laughs> but then you just go in and you're just like, I'm going to forget about all that. Let that go. And just create and create something honest and and vulnerable and let that be a source of connection for people. And then that fear doesn't rule you anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. I love Nikki by Starlight. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely and wonderful to talk to you. You too. So nice to meet you and talk to you. And I'm happy that my 
FaceTime audio situation worked out. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And I'll, I'll share some links with this so people can check out your music and learn more about you. Thank you so much. Okay, you take care. Okay, take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.